0: Never men life if we obey his word then we walk in the
1: Back in the uh, 80s, was it the 80s? I think it was the 80s. Um, have been the 90s. 80s and 90s, there was a popular sitcom in the United States called Cheers. Now, I know some Christians will go, well, you shouldn't be talking about a bar and blah, 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 blah. And I get that, but it was a popular show. It really was uh, taking place in Boston. And. Um, one of the things that would happen in that show is when someone walked in the door, often most frequently it was Norm, but they would yell their name. And the theme song was sometimes you got to go where everyone knows your name and they're always glad you came. Now, I remember years ago talking about that theme song uh, and saying, you know, that ought to be the church, you know, and Cheers captured something that, that should have been the reality of the church and, uh, you know... It's, where people are glad that you're there and they recognize that you're there and they shout your name that you're there and they give you a great big high five a handshake or a hug uh i didn't mean that to be all three h's i just realized they were a handshake hug or high five um their fist bump there we go i messed up the motif uh but so this morning, and I don't know if it's different on your end, but on my end, I was put typing all your names in capitals, just saying just your name. It was in capitals, at least on my screen. I'm not sure what it looks like over there. It might all be capitals, but I'm shouting your name. Hey, I am glad you are here. And whatever church you attend, I would encourage you, Make it so in the life of your local church as well. Now, yesterday we were in Luke chapter 8. The day before that, we were in Luke chapter 8. The day before that, we were in Luke chapter 8. And the day before that, we we're in Luke chapter 8. This is the fourth day in Luke chapter 8 this morning. And uh, we're going to take just kind of go back and review a little bit of what we looked at yesterday. In particular, one character, uh, who uh, was delivered from his demons. And back up in Luke uh, 8 to 26, when they were in the region of Gerasenes, they were across the lake from Galilee, the town of Galilee, Genezaret, uh, just the opposite side of the shore. And it says that Jesus stepped ashore, met, was met by a demon possessed man. From the town, for a long time this man had not worn clothes, he was naked, he he hadn't lived in a house, he lived among the tombs, which that's kind of bizarre. Uh, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet. and Shouting at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. Now, what was going on there is that the demons themselves recognized who Jesus was. They got it, they knew it, and they uh, they responded to him as the Son of God. Uh, they were so very aware of who Jesus was, and so they're responding to him in 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 that fashion. but the man himself, the man in his flesh in himself, I mean all these things and the text will reveal more if you go back and compare the Mark passage. Uh, the similar Mark passage, uh, it talks about you know he in this passage as well it talks about being chained hand and foot. So he's living among the tombs. He's running around naked. Uh, he couldn't be bound by anybody. Uh, the, the Mark passage tells us he was cutting himself with sharp stones. So this the self destructive tendency, self harm, cutting uh, is what we would call it. Uh, and uh, but what we ended up seeing yesterday. What happened to this man? Jesus told the demons to leave, and we get down to verse 33. says, when the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. The people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out. So, I mean... People thought this guy is demon-possessed. Well, Jesus dealt with that. Um, uh, this guy is out of his mind, because then it but it says this. He was sitting at Jesus' feet. He was he was under control. Uh he was dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. I mean, Jesus did all these things. He expelled the demons, he brought him to a place of control. Uh, he got him dressed, and so there was a sense of moral rightness. Uh, There was, he he got into his right mind here in verse 35. There is a sense of mental rightness, wholeness, if you want to use that word. And the people were afraid. I mean, they didn't know what to think of this. They were used to this man just running around like a crazy man. Uh, Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. The people, the region, the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them. And he was just from across the lake, really. Uh, He got into the boat and left. The man whom the demons had gone out begged him to go with him, but Jesus sent him away. We talked yesterday how uh, many believe that it is most likely this is the man who went around telling everybody how the Lord had healed him, how the Lord had delivered him, how the Lord had changed his life, how the Lord had transformed his life. And so uh, many believe that when Jesus would then feed the 4,000, it's a result of the testimony of this man that people would come out and want to hear Jesus. because that the 4,000 likely took place over in that region. Jesus challenged him. He said, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. All over the town, everywhere. Return home, tell how much God has done for you. The man went away, told all over the town how much Jesus had done. And, And now, what do we get from that personal, practical application from ourselves? I mean, a point number one: Jesus can transform lives. Uh, it isn't. It doesn't even have to be Jesus plus psychology. It doesn't have to be Jesus plus, you know, some drug to help you get off of uh, an addiction, whether it's a drug addiction or alcohol addiction. Look, what you're going to get most often. I'm just going to speak directly at this. When Governor LePage was governor of Maine, he he said it. Um, the health based many of the health based programs uh, do not have a very good success rate. I mean, I, it seems like they were down around a thirteen uh, percent success rate. Flip that over the health uh, the, the faith based ministries addressing the problem of drug and alcohol addiction had between an 80 and 90% success rate, if I recall that statistic correctly. I know it was very high. Uh, I'm thinking it was greater than 80%, actually, but I'm trying to be uh, honest when I say it seems it was between 80 and 90% success rate. Why? Because it calls people repentance. We're not calling people, hey, make some changes to your life. We're calling you to let Jesus invade your life. And if uh, someone is to go away to a, a very well-run uh, program, a couple here in Maine, I mean, one is Teen Challenge uh, over in Winslow area. Uh, that is one. and it, it shouldn't be called Teen Challenge because it, it's about more than just teens. Uh, maybe leads you to think, oh, that, that's a program for kids. Well, oh, no, 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 it's a program for adults. But then there's also one up in uh, in the Bangor Brewer area, run by Calvert Chapel, which is very, very good. So, and I encourage you—you you can go there. Uh, it's uh, Seven Oaks, if I recall correctly. Um, if you put in Calvert Chapel Recovery uh, Addiction Recovery, uh, Maine, uh, that will come up. Uh, but what do they do—it's a discipleship program. It's—it's it's, they lead people to Jesus, and people who will reject Jesus are going to fail. People who accept Jesus and who will begin to uh, uh, allow their lives to be infiltrated with the teaching of the Word of God, uh, and begin to live to please Jesus, their lives are changed. It was the power of the gospel to change lives. And this is exactly what we've read here in Luke chapter 8, the power of the gospel to change a life. And, uh, and and the power of the gospel is still the same today to change lives, to transform people's lives it has not changed it is still that very same power present to change lives how powerful is Jesus well we're gonna we're gonna finish out this passage today we will look at the next two incidences that take place here in this chapter uh to demonstrate Jesus power so now when Jesus returned back to probably Capernaum uh, which was up the lake from uh where he has just healed this man of his demons. Uh, a crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting him. Then a man named uh, Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue came and fell at Jesus feet, pleading with him to come to his house. Now, if I remember correctly, it's a town of about 1500 people. Uh, so it is like a huge town. A lot of people would know each other. Um, Jairus came and fell at Jesus' feet because his only daughter, a girl of about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. They didn't know how to stop her issue, often called the issue of blood. She came up behind him, touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Immediately. And notice, she only touched his cloak. It was it was an action of faith. Jesus said, who touched me? And when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd is pressing against you. I mean, what do you think? I mean, it, that's a paraphrase, obviously, from what I just read, Master. People are crowding and pressing against you. In other words, it's, there's all these people around you. I mean, uh, almost like Peter's going, duh, Lord. Uh, there's people all around you. There's lots of people touching you, but then Jesus says this in verse 46, someone, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out for me. Now that, that could lead a very interesting conversation about the awareness of, of power, uh, the awareness of of things going out from our life or self-awareness of, uh, of, our own physicality or our own emotion emotionality, um, how we are drained by certain circumstances. I mean, Jesus being self aware that power has gone out from him, and uh, he says in verse forty six, "Someone touch me, I know that power has gone out from me." Uh, that one verse. I mean, we, we could go so many directions with that. Uh, you know, the idea of, uh, and I don't want to sound weird, uh, but, you know, the, the mystical nature of uh, the universalist thought, of how everything is all tied together and we're all one with nature and all one with the world, I don't think that that is correct teaching. I think that's theologically false teaching. However, I think in our overreaction to that, sometimes we, we fail to acknowledge the fact that, there's power uh, and connectivity in in things within nature. We're, we're not all just like little islands and in and, and like chess pieces on a on a chessboard. We there is some interconnection between us. Um and, and I believe that, and not only between us as people, that it's an emotive mental, emotive relational connection, but but even a certain measure with with uh with nature, uh, but I don't want to get crazy on that. Like we're all, what we're not, or we're individual. The the human soul, the human, humanity is, is distinct and special and unique among all creation. That is true. But the idea of power going out from you, it's, let me put it this way. uh, And another, let me soften this up a little bit and and make it something more relatable with us. Have you ever invested yourself in in someone in conversation or counsel or or trying to aid them and you just find yourself tired out or you find yourself kind of spent or you know that the energy, you've expended energy trying to help somebody in their situation and you're tired and sometimes you you can be worn right out from it. Um, One of the things I dealt with several years ago here locally it could have worn me right out, should have worn me right out. It was weighty. It was heavy. It was, it was, it was just very difficult. Uh, and, and for us to be aware, and, and Jesus often then, after times like this, would go away and uh, need to recuperate. In this instance, I just want to stick with the text now. Jesus simply was aware that power had gone out from him. Uh, verse forty six and verse forty seven says. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she would touched him and how she had been instantly healing. Uh, instantly healed. I'm sorry. Uh, and then he said to her daughter, "Your faith has healed you. Go in peace." Now, one of the parallel passages in the synoptic gospels, she will she will indicate. Her belief to Jesus, she will say that I believed if I could just touch the hem of your garment, I would be healed. I mean, that was an act of faith. If I could just touch the hem, just the touch, just the touch of his garment, I'll be that's all I needed. Well, that touch of the garment wasn't actually what was going to heal her. It was her faith. But that faith was shown by action, that faith was shown by her reaching out. And touching him in that way, if I can just touch him, I will be healed. What about us in our lives? Do we believe that, it, that if we just touch him, we'll be healed? Do we do we believe? Do we have the type of faith that it's just we're reaching out for the Lord so that we can be strengthened, so that we can be directed, so that we can be corrected, so that we can be healed? All of those things that uh, that should and could be there. As we read them in this passage, Jesus said to her, your faith has healed you go in peace. But what we notice is while he was still speaking, some came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead. He said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, it was his daughter who died. Don't be afraid. Just believe And she will be healed. Now, it wasn't just believe to believe. You'll see that. You'll see the word at Christmas time. Believe. Like what? Believe in Santa Claus. We just came through Christmas not that long ago. Or or, uh, at a football game. Believe. Believe in your team. No, we're talking about an absolute subject of our belief and an object of our belief. He is both the subject and the object. His name is Jesus. Don't be afraid. Just believe in Jesus. Keep your faith in God, and and Jesus says, and she will be healed. So so Jesus is strengthening uh, the faith of Jairus, uh, and what happens? Verse 51, when he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. So there are six of them who go in. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Jesus said, stop wailing. She is not dead, but asleep. Now, here's the question. Was she actually just asleep? Uh, Was her breathing so diminished that it seemed like she was only asleep? I mean, there are stories. You can read stories about people who are laying on a gurney in a hospital and they pulled the sheet up over their head. They, They believe they're dead. But... You know, several minutes later, 20 minutes later, they sit up and go, what's going on? Uh, I mean, they've checked the pulse, the the, the blood, um, the, the heart rate, the pulse is so low that, that, you know, they, they assume that any pulse is just residual nerve and not actually the pulse of the heart, whether this girl was dead, whether she was nearly dead, uh, because Jesus said she is not dead but asleep, doesn't matter. He did something truly marvelous. In the text, it says, well, in verse 52, when it says, uh, when he said she is not dead but asleep, they laughed at him knowing she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told him to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Now, here's here's what will happen. People will explain this away. She had a blood sugar disorder. Her blood sugar was too low, uh, and it caused her heart rate to be too low. Whatever the circumstance, the immediacy, even before she received food, Jesus healed this girl, this 12-year-old girl. He healed her. He healed the woman who had been subject to bleeding, I think it said, for 12 years. He healed the demoniac. Jesus Christ has the ability to transform lives. Friends, what you and I have, the gospel is what we share with people, and we share it because we believe the gospel is able to transform people's lives, and that's why we share the gospel. Okay, so I want to go over into some of the comments here. Uh, For those listening live here at 6 a.m. this uh, Wednesday morning, the 31st day of January, 2024, there are a few comments. Uh, Jessica Harrington uh, Nickerson, Jess, Jess Nickerson, has a prayer request. It's not something she can put online. She says, nothing else I can do. What happens next is in God's will, so... Lord, you know what that uh, unspoken prayer request is. Jess is trusting you uh, to answer her prayers. Uh, and so we, we pray for Jess and whatever the circumstance is, whatever she's praying about and asking us to pray along with her, the Father, that uh, you would meet the need, that you would change the hearts, that, that whatever the circumstance, Lord, that you would intervene in Jess's situation. So, we do pray for Jess this morning with this prayer request that she has given to us and ask that you would intervene. And then Walter says this uh, down at the bottom of the page. I think I can actually share these with you. Uh, Walter saying, I think the most effective uh, discipling tool is our own story of what God has done in our life. Just as what happened to the demon possessed man, yes, and I would agree with that. I think that that is, I think that that is absolutely true. That, uh, I don't know why that didn't come up on this page. There we go. Uh, Walter saying, "I once was blind, but now I see." Absolutely, those are the truths. We we believe in the power of Jesus to change lives. So whatever you're going through, I want to encourage you, give it to God. Now, those sound like such trite words sometime. What's God wanting to do in your life? What's God wanting to change up in your life? So I, I encourage you, uh, look to him to make those changes. Other people who need their lives changed, share the gospel. Pray the gospel over them. Uh, Cultivate relationships. Plant the seeds of the gospel. Uh, Ask people, why don't you want to respond to Jesus? Or are you ready to respond to Jesus? Or would you like to respond to Jesus and make him your Savior and let him step into your life? As we would share Christ in that way, what types of transformation could take place in people's lives? Jesus shows his ability to transform lives as we have read in this passage. He can, he did it then he can do it today. Where do you need to see life transformation? Who are the two or three people or more that you would be praying for that God would change their lives? Pray that they repent. Don't pray for them to come to religion. Uh, Pray for them to come to Jesus. The two are vastly, vastly, vastly different. Pray they come to Jesus. Lord, you have demonstrated your abilities to, to heal, uh, to raise the dead, to transform lives. You had that power demonstrated in the, here in the Gospel of Luke, Chapter 8. But we believe that same power is the same today because you you never change. Same yesterday, today, and forever. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. So, Father, we look to you. We lift you the situations in our lives that seem uh, difficult and hopeless. Help us to learn, Lord, how to trust you more. Help us to believe you to transform lives and see a movement of disciple-making here in New England like we've not seen before. Lord, it's my prayer that you would use the, the faithfulness of the many who will participate in the 21 days of prayer being led by Pastor Jacob, that you would do great spiritual works as a result of of that endeavor. Lord, I lift them to you, all who participate. Lord, would you bring revival, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, friends, I'll let you get into your day. You have a great day. Uh, Keep trusting in Jesus. I'll see you tomorrow.